if they're able to get back to George Mason, they got to know George Mason saw what beat them. And this is a team that Lee has beat the previous two seasons. So they know they can beat them. Welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leland McRae. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Yak Sports Podcast. Joe Deck, alongside me is Leland McRae, uh, remote location for Leland. Um, yeah, on vacation, there's some, there might be some ambient noise of boat motors going by, because I'm on a boat right now talking to you. All right, Leland. Well, let's talk about what happened in Augusta County. Let's start off with the team that has been crowned state champions already, the R.E. Lee boys soccer. Uh, I actually made it to the game in Radford. So uh, the finals, uh, they punched their ticket to the finals by beating Giles seven to one, which I believe I told you when they finally won the quarterfinal that good night semifinal uh, and yeah. it happened to no, be Giles seven to one. I agreed. We had a little bit of a debate. I don't think it was on the podcast. It wasn't. You were you were afraid of like, you know, if that score wasn't like a three or four goal differential, what that would mean. And I said, I don't care what it means. If they win that game, I will look at the George Mason game just the same because they have so much history against George Mason um, and they know what they are. They just played them a week ago. I really didn't care if they won against Giles two to one or seven to one. I was going to have the same outlook. So luckily they won seven to one. And I think everybody had a lot of confidence moving forward. And uh, then they paid off. But back at that Giles game, those highlights of Kyle Stenzel in that game, what TV3 put together where his his three goals, his hat trick, that, that was like a career's worth of highlight reels, I felt like. I mean, he had a great assist. He had a couple good goal, like great goals. The header was the number one play of the week for WHSV. I mean, I, I realize I'm a little bit biased because um, I, you know, have Thanksgiving with the kid. But that was like that. Hey, you're wondering why this kid's getting recruited by Virginia tech. And he's, that's where he's going next year. That's why, I mean, he's just a playmaker. He can do it all. And he'll be playing on the defensive end at Virginia tech. So they won't be relying on him, you know, attacking the goal every single time down the field, but he has that capability and he's going to be great for them. And I, I, he stepped up when the moment was the biggest and uh, that's, that's a sign of a, a baller. And uh, that's what he is. Yeah. Let me paint you a picture of what happened Saturday. So, Friday night, the VHSL changes, yeah, yep. changes the venue uh, yeah. from Cup Stadium to a Parks and Rec field in Radford. Um, it is what it is. Um, it was a turf Leslie field, though. Leslie was very happy, yeah. Yeah, it was a turf field, which is the reason <laughs> for the decision. I'm not going to argue with the decision. It's It comes down to player safety. It wasn't the best in terms of packing people in, but it was the yeah. best decision in terms of player safety, and that's what matters more than anything. You got to do what you got to do. So I arrived nice if they could have fit more games at Christiansburg, which is a turf field and actually a stadium. Yeah, whatever. Um, whatever. <laughs> it, I arrive on a rainy gray Saturday morning with waves of water pelting uh, everyone in attendance. I end up watching the game with Rob and his very nice family. As the rain comes down, umbrellas, rain jackets the game starts lee immediately starts putting pressure on mason uh and to me it just seemed like mason didn't get out of the gate strong and that set a tone good, with good. 739 to go in the first half we see marco sasia net the first goal of the match 
assisted by Kyle Stenzel, who you just mentioned. Uh, and it was hard to see through peeking through the trees uh, where I was standing, but Sasia's goal, a low liner uh, across the ground. And here's the beauty of what I thought Lee did that Mason didn't. Lee took some shots that really didn't have a high percentage of going in, but if they are on target, you're making the goalie make a play. The ball is wet. It's slick. It's going to be harder to hold on to. There were a couple times where it looked like yikers. The goalie might not have it. Um, this time, it the goalie didn't even get a hand on it. It was just a low liner into the bottom right corner, uh, and it was the first goal of the match. And then Sasia, you know, I talked about Kyle stepping up when the moment was the biggest. Sasia has done the same in these state playoffs. He was a very solid. I mean, he's, he's one of the best players all season, but he played really well down the stretch here. Um, good decision making, finding the right guys, taking the right shots. I was really impressed with what he was able to do in the games I saw. And then also hearing back what he was able to do and seeing the highlights on TV three. That's what was handy down the stretch here was uh, TV three having all these highlights. You can see a lot of video of what happened, but Sasia also going to the next level of play and he's going to play at Mary Baldwin. So we'll all still have an easy opportunity to still see him play. Uh, but he was big time down the stretch and it was him and Kyle scoring all the goals and right there scoring that first goal in the state champion uh, final. I mean, that was huge. Gave Lee the momentum. Yeah. And again, uh, Lee continued to keep the pressure on. This is something you're not really going to understand, Leland, because you're not a soccer fan. But possession is so key in this sport, and Lee what dominated it. About? They this won. Is why I was, this is why I was yelling at you about hockey the other week, because they just seem to give up possession so easy. I understand you have to have the ball in soccer, and that's great that Lee used that to their advantage. Yeah, they won every 50-50 ball, the midfield the middle of the park, as they call it in soccer. Again, something you wouldn't understand that terminology, but the middle of the park, <laughs> Lee dominated and controlled. Soccer's knob. <laughs> then, then we go into the half. It's still 1-0. Uh, I think everyone is thinking, you know, okay, let's come out strong in the second half. Let's not slip up. You know, this is a very good team, George Mason. Uh, you know, I know the Lee fans have been thinking we've been here before against Mason and not been able to close it out. Let's close it out this time. Um and this time, to start the second half, uh, it looked a lot like second verse, same as the first. I didn't see a whole lot of George Mason threatening. Uh, in fact, it stayed pretty one-sided. There was one moment, Lee had a couple of close chances to put in a second goal, which I thought would have been a dagger goal. Um, but Mason did have one opportunity, and I'm not sure if it was the one shot on target or if they didn't even count it as a shot, because I'm not sure that he got the shot away, but... The goalie for Lee had come out and had mistimed the move. Um, the, the Mason attacker had been able to peel away, but then another late dive from the keeper pokes the ball away from him. That was pretty much the only time where I was like, uh-oh, this may be an issue. Uh, other than that, George Mason, in my opinion, was a non-factor. In the second half, a penalty was conceded by Mason, and then Kyle Stenzel went with power again with the wet ball with the rain and the continuous rain. That was the correct decision. Sometimes you go for placement. You try to put it in a corner where it's going to be impossible for the keeper to touch. This is not one of those instances. Kyle took advantage. He put power on that. The keeper, to his credit, I, I feel kind of bad for him. He got his hands on it. He did everything he could. The ball was just I don't put bad too, him, yeah. too much power <laughs> into the back of the net, and that put Lee up 2-0 with 1041 to go, and Lee just rode it out at that point. Again, they dominated. My experience. 
my experience included watching these highlights that you're talking about happen, you know, moments afterward, having them posted on Twitter and seeing them. And that's what I saw uh, Patrick Height from the newsleader posted that uh, PK from Kyle right behind the goal. And you could see that goalie put a good hand on it, but that ball just still come through. Kyle, every time I've seen him do a PK, every time I've seen him in person, he's gone right. And usually he's a little bit more right than that. He went with that power that you're saying made him make a play and be make sure he was on target. It was the, just the best decision. He did absolutely the best thing he could right there, and it paid off. Well, soccer is a guessing game. I'm glad you gave away where he goes, Leland. Thank you for he, he'll, giving he'll, him scouting I, for everyone that he's going to face in college now. That was really really nice of you to do um, I'm making him better I'm challenging him yeah okay <laughs> uh, but he went with power netted the second goal with 1041 to go and Lee continued to dominate possession George Mason had a couple of instances where they started to move the ball into Lee's half but they never really could get it going uh George Mason never the Mustangs never got out of the gate here uh Lee kept them corralled uh and I, I thought that was the biggest difference to me I didn't I there was no point in this game where I felt Lee was in trouble uh a nice moment was when the final whistle blew the rain is still coming down and you just see the relief on Rob's face washing down (laughs) his face with the rain he was so satisfied I know the guys on the field were satisfied too and you could see that on their faces as well I just like to give Rob a little bit of a hard time there um, going with parental analysis on their reaction to the victory, the, <laughs> the, the stage mom, Rob, sitting in the stands, who, in all honesty, we're making fun of him. He's one of the, the for how much I know he cares and uh, how into it he is, he's actually really good about not being a terrible uh, stand parent. We've seen articles in the paper in recent years about parents yelling at refs and yelling at coaches and all that. He really doesn't do that. He really doesn't get involved with that. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's good to analyze his reaction to the victory and how much maybe credit he was trying to take for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, <laughs> Um, it was very cool. And he was, he was a very good, um, there were a couple of sirs. Um, the official <laughs> did have a rough game. If I'm going to be honest, he called some handballs that weren't handballs. He didn't call handballs on some <laughs> things that were pretty obvious handballs in my opinion, but, um, a couple sirs directed at, at the official <laughs> and that's fine. I, you know, I may have directed a sir or two as well. Um, but it was very cool to see Lee pull that one out. Uh, here's something else to consider. This RE Lee class that just graduated played George Mason five times. Three wins, two losses. That's pretty impressive against that program, which is a soccer program in the state, no doubt. Oh, yeah, it's a soccer dynasty. Um, The the last two years, RE Lee has gone 47 and two. Wow. They win a state title. Um, Really, really impressive stuff from RE Lee. Uh, and their soccer team. And I, you know, they're going to lose a lot off of this team. It's going to be a real test next year to see what they can do. Um, but I, I think in the moment, definitely enjoy it. It was a very, very good team that was able to stick together for many years. And you saw finally this build into fruition with a state championship. Uh, and, you know, I just want to say I enjoyed it, even though there was rain. Soaking. I don't know how the rest of the R.E. Lee fans felt, but I can tell you, as a person who has sat in rain and cold many, many times, uh, and it wasn't necessarily cold uh, on Saturday, but I, I've sat in terrible weather conditions to watch you know, football games. 
in Lane Stadium. And this was one of those instances as well. When you're winning, it, the weather's not happening. You don't notice. You're just watching the game. Uh, when you're losing, that's when the weather starts to become a thing and you can become miserable. So I'm sure for the Mason fans, it was you know not a fun experience. But for the Lee fans, I hope um, the weather didn't put a dampen on their spirits because I know for me, I enjoyed it very much. Uh, I thought they played a fantastic game. And, um, you know, I, I thought... Or, uh, I thought that Lee avenged last year in a very professional way. I didn't see any hot moments between the players, which was good because, you know, we're talking about a team that's been three and two against George Mason in their career. Um, For a team that's not used to losing to teams, period, let alone the same team three times now, uh, I think that's something that's possible in a rivalry. But I thought both teams handled themselves with class. In fact, George Mason's Twitter with a very, very classy tweet yeah, uh, later yeah. in the day saying, congratulations to Artie Lee. They earned this. Uh, and I, I thought that was ultimate class from George Mason. Uh, and again, I think it's interesting how those two teams have split the last two years with the, with the winner in the state playoffs, winning the state championship. I think that's an interesting thing that they've, that they've split, you know, not mm-hmm. one team just won both in the year. So, that's cool. Hey, you said they were, what was the record the last two years with two losses? 47 and two, both of those to George two, Mason. Those two losses were to George Mason. So like, I mean, it just shows you what class two soccer was the last two years. And you also can't tell me that class three probably isn't happy, isn't happy that they didn't have to see Lee or George Mason. Because, and that's where George Mason is going. It's class three. And I think George, George Mason can be successful there. No, Maybe not fine. as dominant year in year out. But they're going to be successful. They're going to be compete for state championships at the 3A level. And uh, Lehigh, it's probably hard to ask for a repeat uh, projection, but they're going to have a good season. They'll get through the district well, and you see what they can do in the regions. They, they're still going to have some talent there, and the and they're building there. You know, winning, learning how to win is the hardest thing to do in high school sports. And I say that all the time. They know how to win now, and it's been established for years now. And this senior group leaves leaving behind a legacy of winning. It's up to these next guys to keep it going, but they know what it takes and it's hard work and dedication and having a goal and achieving it. And so I, I expect them to be slightly better than you think they will because of this experience that they've had. Yeah. I'm not saying they're going to be awful. I'm just saying, I, yeah. you know, state championship may be a little lofty of a goal is what I'm saying. I, I, I agree. I agree with that, that statement, but I, I will say, hey, if we say, okay, you hope they can maybe get to that region final, I'd crank it up a notch, just one notch, just like, yeah, I expect them maybe to make it to the state playoffs or something like that, and wherever that line is. Maybe if it backs off a step and get them to that region final, I don't know. But somewhere in there, I would I would bump it a step just because of the experience they've gone through. Uh, you know, and to talk again about George Mason, this team has won nine state championships in their program history, all of them since 2000. So, I mean, do the math. There's yeah. 19 years since – then and they've and the, won nine. And the girls program is even more successful i was gonna yeah. say the girls program just had a streak of 11 straight get broken by mackie walker uh later yeah. in the day in fact the very next He's game a powerhouse so. in them in their own right yeah yeah rough day there um if i'm gonna be a little bit picky here um let me say this it's nice if you lose to win the uniform game but they didn't even do that um i thought their uniforms were bland I did not like the regular looking uniform with just basic white block letters saying Mason. 
I loved Lee's uniforms. They have the little crest, um, which is very soccer. Um, and I hope that the new uniforms, when they become the Stanton Storm, have a crest as well. Um, I, I loved it. I thought they looked professional. They played professional. And they earned the state championship with their play and their uniform game. Uh, Mason, up your game. You're a, you're a dynasty in soccer. Your uniforms need to reflect that. I appreciated another tweet out there. Um, and the kid's name that escapes me. I'm, again, I'm sorry to his mother. The kid that was hurt oh uh, a couple gosh. games ago and wasn't able to play anymore. Carson. Um, Carson. He's going to play understand. at the next level. Yeah, you weren't and there. You wouldn't understand. <laughs> he's going to play the next level down in Georgia. Uh, and uh, so that's the three guys there. Sasia. Stenzel and uh, Carson, they're going to play at the next level. I'm interested to see what they do at the next level. I think each of them ha have a good fit for where they're going to where they can be really successful for where they're going. And, and it's easy to hype on Kyle Stenzel playing at the ACC level, but it's going to be great to see those guys play the next level and, and hopefully live up to the expectation of them being successful where they're going. Cause I think they make great college choices. I did too. Uh, and again, you know, we wish them all, we wish all every local athlete going to the next level, yeah. the best of luck. Um, but I, I mean, think even these not guys playing at the next level, I mean, even going to school anywhere, I know other kids, sure. have, I mean, they're going to UVA and other big schools and, and prestigious schools. Congratulations to all of them of achieving. Oh, okay. You know, yeah. I mean, we're not in athletics here on the way out and whether you're going on to play more or not. I mean, what an achievement. Yeah. What I'm saying is, I mean, who roots for a kid to fail in academics? I mean, that is a terrible thing, but I'm saying, you know, <laughs> athletically, we want to see these kids succeed at the next level as well, no matter where they go. Even the ones that pick UVA for athletics, uh, we'll root for the local guys. We might not root for the team, but we'll root for the individual. Yeah, we still we, we, we're still cheer for uh, Jaden Williams over there, you know, making sure he's doing well over there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, the other sports, the reason we're harping on soccer so long, we have time to because none of the other sports got to play that are uh, still playing. Uh, Stewart Straff softball. Uh, basically all baseball and softball got delayed a week because of the projected weather. They thought they could get the soccer in, uh, with the standards for rain delays and, and lightning and all that. They figured they could get the soccer in. they didn't think they could get the baseball in. And I think the weather report you gave of what had happened was accurate. So they moved it a week. Um, and they'll play this weekend. Uh, Stuart Straff plays. Pulaski on Thursday at 6 no, p.m. They play at Pulaski. Uh, no, they play at Pulaski against Chatham. And then if they are able to win, they'll play the winner of Lebanon and Page at noon the next day at Pulaski. Uh, Page County, that delay really helped them because they have an ace that's headed to Virginia Tech. And now they, they had him worn down last week. Now he'll be able to go this week pretty strong. So that that's good for them. Mm -hmm. um, Riverheads baseball, they will play at Pulaski at noon on Thursday against Auburn. Uh, playing Auburn is a, a theme for these Riverhead teams. If they win, they will play at 9 a.m. on Friday against Patrick Henry or Lancaster. Riverhead softball, they will play it uh, against Auburn at 6 p.m. So that's good for the Riverheads fans. They can hit a nooner and a 6 p.m.er. Uh, the problem is if the softball is also able to get to the state championship, they'll play at the exact same time, 9 a.m. against Northwood or Rappahannock County. So uh, Friday, Thursday looks good for Riverheads fans catching two games, but Friday, everybody will have to choose. And hopefully that's hopefully that decision's had to be made. Hopefully both teams get to that state championship. And uh, so that'll be good. Yeah. Stewart's draft girls. We mentioned Maggie Walker winning the two A state championship, which of yeah, course they, disqualifies yep. Stewart's draft. Um, they lost five nil in that quarterfinal. Still a great season for Stewart's draft. Um, they just unfortunately got a tough draw in that state tournament because they lost in the region championship. And sometimes that's how it goes.
And also the Riverheads uh, girls tennis doubles team, Milo and Reese, uh, they fell on Friday in the semifinal for the doubles to uh, Rappahannock. I had one of my buddies, he was at the tennis matches and he was giving me uh, updates there and uh, great season for them. They got a long ways, uh, went further than their team was able to go. So way to represent Riverheads, but fell to a good Rappahannock doubles team. And they, they were right in the match and it came right down to that the last little bit and uh, the other team pulled it out. All right, moving on to the Valley Baseball League. The Stanton Braves had a big, big win over the weekend. They entered the ninth inning down 11 runs, and wouldn't you know it, they scored 11 runs to force them into extras, and then they would end up beating the Turks, which, of course, made it even sweeter uh, to then get the win in extra innings. Back-to-back homers to to tie it with other scoring ahead of that Mm -hmm. in that last inning, but then also the game winning Homer to win it there. Uh, That's, that's the, uh, like a season highlight kind of game, but Hey, they're, they're playing decent ball right there uh, right now. They're near the top of the standings. You know, those couple early uh, issues that they were having, I'm not going to say are erased, but they're proving that they can make up for some of those uh, pitching woes that they're having because their bats are doing well. So you want to see your pitching get a little bit better, but you want to see those bats stay hot. But at the end of the season, they will look back at that game as being one of the season highlights because that's just an incredible comeback and kind of blew me away when I saw on Twitter that that had happened. Uh, But what a game. Well, especially the back-to-back homers, like you say, happening with two outs. I mean, that's that's insane. Uh, Waynesboro, they are a game – Stanton, by the way, 5-2 and overall. They're a half game out of first. Waynesboro, they are 4-2. and They are a game out of first in the South. Um, what I've noticed is the South teams at the top have a pretty good record, and the teams in the North right now all seem to be about 500. Uh, Waynesboro, 2-0 and against the North. They're 500 against the South. So it'll be interesting to see if that trend continues to play out as the season goes along. But again, Leland, I think that's interesting to see, at least early on here, the trend that the teams in the North struggling against the teams in the South um, I, I don't, I love it. I don't know what to make of that. Um, I don't think it means the teams in the South are better at recruiting than the teams in the North. I think just right now, especially early on, they're having better success. Yeah. I mean, it's probably coincidental at, at most there. I mean, there's no way just all the South teams are just better than the North teams. Uh, you do wonder if, if just, they do, if they are by a majority better, do they beat, start beating up on each other? And that doesn't really help them in the, in the rankings, but at least you get the divisional playoff. So the best teams from the South will still get represented and you won't have to worry about teams, uh, you know, Northern teams playing each other and having an easier time. So uh, I'm looking forward as the season goes on. I think it's kind of corrected itself and uh, what the Braves are doing early. And I I have hope that they can, can make it happen this year. The North champ does play the South champ at the end. I mean, that is how the playoffs work. Well, at the end, but at least in the playoffs. That's how the playoffs work. It's broken up. It used to be one wide open playoff. Yeah. One through four made or one through eight made, however it was. Right. And from top to bottom. So uh, I do like that even if the South teams are a little bit better and beat up on each other, the best ones will still get represented. Sure. Moving on to... A little bit of national talk now with Major League Baseball. The Baltimore Orioles still struggling at 20 and 45 on the season, three and seven in the last 10. Um, yeah, this team is just not very good. The Washington Nationals, they had a little bit of a resurgence in their last 10. They've won seven of their last 10 to pull themselves within seven of the division. Uh, but they are 
starting to look like a team that might have figured it out a little bit, which would be good. Um, I still would not keep their manager, but I'm not in charge. I mean, that's what I was going to say. It's in the nick of time because uh, it really seemed like they were getting on the brink of having to make a move at manager. And uh, maybe he saved his job here for at least a little bit because um, I mean, it just kept being like, hey, if he doesn't get this to get together by Monday, if he doesn't get this together by Thursday. And uh, finally, on one of those that doesn't get it together by Mondays, they swept and then they had a one, three or four and then they won two or three. So they've really put it together. Um, I appreciate it for local fans and, and people I care about that like the Nats. Um, but, yeah, I don't see this as some long term solution there seems to still be something not right there maybe it isn't as much of the manager as we thought it was but i'm still not ruling it out he plays a big factor i don't think he's everything but he is a big factor their bullpen's a mess um and that's a factor but i think managing is a bigger issue there really quickly leland's pirates had a very very bad week um they still have only won three of their last seven as they are starting to fade to the wayside there in the nl central I still, I, I don't just write them off quite yet because they're done they're up and down all year. I, I don't think they'll make it the playoffs. And that's not what I'm saying. I just don't think it's going to be a, a one and nine or two and eight pace the rest of the way. I think they're going to have their two and eight weeks and they're going to have their seven and three weeks, but there's going to probably be more two and eight weeks than seven and three weeks. Uh, the other thing I want to get to really quickly, and I'm not sure if you've even seen it, but Max Muncie and Madison Bumgarner, uh, their little altercation uh, yesterday uh, and yeah. again, we're recording this on a Monday, so Sunday. Um, Max Muncy took Madison Bumgarner to the bay, and Madison Bumgarner got mad and hollered at him because he, like, stared at it for, I mean, maybe a second. Um, I, I just don't see what the big deal is. Pitchers love to fist pump and holler and look at the batter when they strike him out for a big punch out. But if a batter takes a little moment to admire his handiwork of taking you 400-plus feet, um, it, it's like they have, you know, made a yo mama joke or something. I, I just don't get it. Um, I love what Max Muncy's response was after the game. They said, you know, what did you say to Bumgarner when you're running the bases? And he said, I just told him <laughs> if he was mad, he can go to the ocean and go get that ball. Uh, <laughs> but um, I thought that was hilarious. I loved it. I, I don't see a problem with what Mad Max Muncy did to Mad Bum. Um, I thought it was great. Yeah, uh, I don't have a problem with a, just a, a little bit of watching and a little bit of celebrate. Yeah, you're not doing cartwheels. You're not, you know, going crazy over the top. But I think there's room for emotion. And I think I've been consistent on that fact uh, with any of these little stupid preschool worrying about how much each other are happy after they do something well arguments that have happened in recent past. So, yeah. Well, Leland, I do want to now move the conversation to the Belmont Stakes. Um, We finally had a horse race that had very little uh, conflict. Sir Winston bringing home the win. Uh, Congratulations to Sir Winston winning the Belmont, which means we had a different horse win all three races. I watched a Twitter highlight of that today of just them coming down the stretch. I completely lost track that it was existing on Saturday evening. And I didn't even hear that. I didn't even wasn't reminded that it happened until Sunday. So I really think that shows how much not having even a triple crown possibility or even any kind of regularity in the first two races really caused the Belmont just to 
completely fly under the radar this weekend. Uh, I mean, it's a big race. There's a lot of gambling around it. It's big for the sport, but you weren't, they weren't drawing anybody outside of that sport in. Yeah. Um, there were a couple people on Twitter saying Sir Winston did the same thing that maximum security did in the Kentucky Derby. Uh, he did the same thing in the difference the only difference being Sir Winston didn't clip a horse when he cut off the other horse. <laughs> you can, that's the, yeah. yeah, that's <laughs> the big part. That's the part that got maximum security disqualified. And again, for people who can't understand that, uh, you know, I don't know, just give up. Yeah. Um, the NBA is going to be decided after we record this podcast. So we'll go ahead and wait to talk about that next week. Same with the hockey as they go to a game seven, seven now. in hockey though. Yeah. NCAA baseball, we know who's going to Omaha now, so let me quickly rattle those off and tell you who you should root for. Michigan advances. Vanderbilt advances with a no-hitter. Really impressive from Vanderbilt. Yeah, that that big boy was fun to watch. I'm not a Vanderbilt fan. I've said that blatantly, but that was a big highlight the other night for him, and they get out of there and they move on. Louisville is going to Omaha. Texas Tech is going to Omaha. Arkansas goes to Omaha. Mississippi State beats Leland's Stanford Cardinal to go to Omaha. Auburn goes to Omaha, and Florida State goes to Omaha. So before you tell us who to root for, I believe in a past episode, Texas Tech was dead to you for what they did in the basketball national championship. So Mm -hmm. I can't imagine that's who you're rooting for. You're not going to be rooting for Michigan. Um, Why do you say I won't be rooting for Michigan? I don't think you'd be rooting for Michigan. Am I wrong? Did I just nail it? And the other team you said, <laughs> you might be wrong too. <laughs> oh <my laughs> because I look right, at these, I look at these teams. I'm not rooting for Vanderbilt. I'm not rooting for Vanderbilt. Yeah, I'm not rooting yeah. for Mississippi State. I'm not rooting for Auburn. I'm not rooting for Arkansas. So that's four. Gone. Okay. Louisville, I just don't care. Out. Um, so then it's Texas Tech, Florida State, Michigan. Florida State has the ACC tie. But they also have that they're Florida State out. Um, I do like their well, uniforms, I'm though. Wrong. I don't know Joe. Yeah, I do like their <laughs> uniforms, though. Pretty cool uniforms. <laughs> I, between Michigan and Texas Tech, I those are the two you need to be choosing from. Michigan, uh, Hail to the Victors, the same fight song as the Sharando High School, which is cool. Um, Texas Tech has the same colors as Sharando High School, red and black. Oh, yes. uh, you know what? Let's go for the Red Raiders. Uh, yeah, pull out your cool. six shooters. Yeah. Let's go, Red Raiders. <laughs> we do not promote gun violence on the uh, EX Sports podcast. <laughs> Why do you have but to take it there? Uptight. We're not uptight, uh, politically correct guys. So go, Red Raiders. I'll get my guns out, too. Let's roll with them. Let, hey, get it done in the baseball, which you couldn't get done in basketball. Oh, my gosh. All right. <laughs> well, let's get ready to bring Tom Jacobs on now. Uh, as he gets ready to talk to us about uh, his time covering local high school sports in Augusta County. All right, next on the Exports Podcast, we are lucky enough to be joined by Tom Jacobs. Everybody in Augusta County is familiar with Tom as he's uh, been a local writer for us and uh, more recently, sports writer for us. So, Tom, thanks for coming on. I know you got your transfer in in your career a little bit, but we wanted to talk to you about your time writing for the news leader and the DNR uh, recently uh, before you, you really got your mind out of it. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to be. I'm glad to have a chance to 
kind of close the book a little bit, and I appreciate it. Uh, and uh, you know, thank you for giving me this chance. Yeah, and we've been on. You've been on the podcast before, and you talked a lot of wrestling then. But uh, I wanted to kind of talk to you about while you've been a sports writer locally. You know, what was your favorite sport or favorite events to cover? Well, I mean, I, I love covering football and you know cross country track and field. But the sport that usually just made my eyes glaze over was there were rich background to draw on there. And uh, and I really enjoyed it because the, uh, the the coaches and the kids and the parents embraced what I was trying to do. And I just love the sheer just the competition, just, you know, the the the, the one on one, uh, you know, basis of it. You know, two men enter, one man leave. It was uh, it was always, you know, great. To, uh, it always just got me going, uh, you know, and. Uh, and uh, you know, for a lot of these guys, this is this is their season for the year. Some of these guys just wrestle and instead of playing football and everything else, and uh, so this is their shot, you know. And I just, I was glad to be a part of that. Yeah, and you know, and I, I think most of our listeners could tell you love wrestling from the way you described it, you know, when we had you on earlier. And yeah, it's it's great to hear that. Um, I do want to ask you now what you think about the new look Shenandoah district um, with Fort Defiance coming in uh, and kind of the teams not from Augusta County leaving. Uh, what do you think I, about that? Well, I think, um, you know, uh, Leland, do you want me to be tethered or untethered? Untethered, Tom. Okay. Yeah. Tom is the best. I, I, I think, uh, first of all, Fort Defiance going to the district is a great move because, you know, you, you, it, it, it's a, it's a, absolute familiarity i think it's it's good for the competition that they're in for the level of competition i think travel wise it's a good move for them um and uh it it it, it just makes it makes sense um I, I i don't you know why waynesboro didn't follow them and, and uh them I, you never know why uh and it i thought they would be coming over but they, they have their reasons for staying there and you know derek is i've always had a you know good relationship with Derek McDaniel and know he's he's always thinking about what's best for the school and I'm not going to question what he was what he's thinking about that and I, I you know I, I feel the same way about you know Paige and Stonewall and Loray and East Rock uh, as far as you know what the, their decisions I again I just don't understand why they would go to something like the Bull Run District when they have such a good you know even level of competition I mean you know, a small school like Stonewall to be going to the thing with, with, you know, with, with, with George Mason and Clark County and, uh, and central Woodstock, you know, and, and uh, every, you know, especially in football, I, you know, I, I like I said, they, they have their reasons and I'm not going to question them, but you know, you know, it, it, it kind of makes me sad in East rock too. I mean, East rock had some great rivalries in the, in the Shenandoah district and a couple of them that are going to continue. But you know it's kind of it's kind of disappointing that they, they they you know they're they're making that move too. But again, you know that's what the, you know you can't question these administrators. They, they, you know they know better than we do sometimes to sure. why they're doing things. You know, I, I, here's yeah, if I can, Leland, um, I I kind of agree with what you're saying, Tom, um, on both as both ends of that. I think, and I don't know if Central had any interest in this or not. And I don't know if this idea was even thought of, but I, I would have thought if they were going to leave the Shenandoah district, they would have tried to draw central in and then form a new district for those teams, because then at least you can say geographically, we're cutting down on travel. 
Uh, but it doesn't seem to even that be the case. In fact, you know, to go up to Clark County or George Mason is probably a little George longer than some of these Mason Augusta County games. To a different district, George Mason won't be in the bull run. Well, that's true. But Clark yeah. County is still in the bull run, and that's a very long drive. George Mason, I, I, I just throwing that out there, but I agree. I mean, I, I same thing you guys are saying. I, I don't think that really changes my thoughts either. I don't think it would change yours. Um, yeah, it, it's just more travel, and exactly for Stonewall, you're in a district with another single A school, and you're going to a district that's all that's mostly all very high double uh, A schools. You know, not even lower double A schools, like ones that are like Central Woodstock's teetering on three A all the time. So. I, I I really don't get it either. I I, I think also um and, and having drawing central out making a new new district. I don't. There are not schools up here. I don't think to be able to do that. I mean, uh, and I I think if you you know if you're going to do something, I mean, I think it would be it, it would be great to have maybe another school or so to get in in the uh, in the Shenandoah. Maybe you know Nelson County. You know they play some some of the teams in the district. Uh, but you know who. You know, again, you know, you just don't know why they do things, and you know, and and you know, and and look, I mean, we got Wilson moving up to three A next year, and so I mean, you know, they're gonna they're gonna be the biggest school, you know, them them Fort Defiance will be the two biggest schools in the district. Hey, Tom, here's a hot question, and and you don't even have to give much explanation. Okay. The two top teams in football for the Shenandoah district this fall. Well, I think with. Coach Castle coming back, you got to put Riverheads in there, number one. Uh, there, um, just going through my uh, my Rolodex here. I mean, <laughs> I, I, it's, it's Riverheads and you know Stewart Straft. I think yeah, they they can be there too because they had a young team that really went through the fire, but they started. They have some great athletes, some some great talent on that team, and I think next year could. I think you're going to see them. Make make a definite improvement. Um, uh, Wilson, you know, you know, I think Wilson's going to be uh, going to have some um, have a chance to do something. But I, I think it begins and ends with Riverheads. Myself, I mean, you know, I could be wrong. Uh, like I said, I think having Coach Casto back uh, unexpectedly, I might add, uh, <laughs> uh, having him back makes. The, uh, a, a team, a team to beat. Even though they lost seventeen seniors, they have a wealth of talent coming back and a wealth of talent coming up. And and with Coach Castro pulling the pulling the strings, it's it. You know, that's what I'm looking at. Yeah, and that's and that's more of the same. You know, speaking of Riverheads and Coach Castro, you know, what are your thoughts on how you know that played out this spring um, from your point of view, from your role in media still uh, when when that was going going down. You know, what's your thought process on how that all worked out? I, you know, not knowing the machinations inside, uh, I, I think, uh, you know, you don't, you know, you you have to take on on you know, Coach Wheeler's word as far as health concerns because when you have a, you know, when your wife's pregnant and you you have concerns about that, you know, I you, you can't quit. That's one of those you just can't question that. It's like questioning. Well, you know how how play, coaches take care of their kids on the field. Um, I think the I think the Casto having Coach Casto come back as it was probably the only move that could have been done at that point. And um, listening to Coach Casto on your on the podcast uh, a couple weeks ago, just hearing him talk about a better succession um, 
uh, uh, plan. Um, you know, just it makes it sound like you know he'll be back for a few years, and and but you know there'll be something in place. And like you know, like I said, you don't know what happened on happened behind the scenes. You don't know, you know, what, what the deal was. I mean, there had you know something catastrophic, something very worrisome to Coach Wheeler. You know, just yeah. had had to be there. You know, and the man's family takes the priority. You know. Yeah, uh, yeah, and I, and we agree with that here. We have no, and we don't know any more information of that, so we've always, you know, left that where it is. But uh, yeah, I think I, we agree, and I think we said that as much at the time. You know, having somebody that was familiar with what those kids already knew was going to be important. So I think you nailed it right on the head there. Yeah, I, I do think you know when I was when I heard about him, Coach Casto coming back, I, my my mind went right to the Godfather Three with uh, Michael Corleone when. When he said, just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in, you know, <laughs> you know, but, uh, but I, I think, you know, I, he's, he's, he's probably one of the best coaches I've seen in my, in my 30 years of, uh, being in and out of, uh, high school sports coverage. And, uh, and, you know, it's, you know, it, it, it I think it's good that he's, it's good that he's back. I mean, some other people may not be happy about it, but he's, I think it's, you know, I'm, I'm glad he's back for a little bit more. I mean, I think, and I, but I think he sees, you know, there's a point where it's not gonna, it's it. You know, he won't go on beyond a certain point. It's you know, amount of time that he's going to be there. So, I I do want to ask you, Tom. Um, yeah. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Give us your most memorable athlete that you had the opportunity to cover down here. I would have to say Emily Miller uh, from Wilson Memorial. Um, you don't really, you know. You, you see dominant athletes and uh, you see, you know, and I've seen, I've seen my share of them, you know, in a lot of sports. But when I think back to what Emily Miller did in the Shenandoah district, the region and the state meet last year, it, 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 it just, it, it, it it's on, it, it boggles the mind winning five state individual state titles and finishing second in a, in a, in, in a sixth, it just speaks to how, fine an athlete she was and just what and I, I i watched her for three years my first year covering her she won the state title in the 110 meter hurdles and it was just and it was just a, a phenomenal thing it was like it was almost like what you call a coming out party and after that she it, she it just kept getting better and better and and she was such a phenomenal athlete and humble and just one of the most intense athletes once they once she, when she kind of looks you know, like she, you know, relaxed a little bit when she's off the thing. But once she steps on the track or she takes, she's at the high jump pit or the pole vault, uh, you just, you, you just know that she's not going to lose. And she, and, and, and the, what she's done in her freshman year at Radford just kind of validates that. I, if I had to say if there was one athlete I was impressed with overall, it, it, it would have to be her. And if there was a close second, uh, whew. I don't know if I want to put myself on the spot with that because <laughs> I, because I mean, I, I think back to what Oliver Wilson cook has done over the last couple of years, especially this year in the, uh, in, in, in track. I think of, um, I think of what Carter Rivenberg did as a senior, especially watching him up at that Clark County game when he did, when he just, I mean, they had absolutely no answer for him. He, you know, almost 400 yards rushing. I mean, it was just, you know, it, you know, he, he was another one, one of those athletes that, he gets going. You're not going to stop him. And um, if I think back to 
basketball, I have to think back to Darius George and 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 uh, and Jarvis Vaughn for Lee. Uh, Darius was was really a pleasure to watch the, the chances I got and that Lee team uh, last year that lost to uh, Mac Klung and uh, Gate City was another team that really went through the fire, especially after the way the season started uh, with Terrell Mickens being thrown into the thrown into the mix, uh, you know, as the head coach the first game of the season. That was one of the gutsiest seasons I've seen from a, a team. The way they went through the adversity, they had they had their you know they had their problems, you know they had they had their challenges, but they came through them. Well, that's awesome. I, my next question to you was going to be your your favorite you know favorite moments or favorite thing covered, but I think you just covered uh, covered that well. Well, um, I I, I do there. I do have to mention. Go ahead. Watching, you know, last two years watching Riverheads um, in the state championship game in Salem. And and I have to mention Robert E. Lee, uh, year before, uh, the, yeah. that team that went to the final against Appomattox. I know there's some chatter with that about that on uh, on Twitter the last couple of days. And that that team was just a phenomenal team. It just and, and the quality kids and the quality coach. It, it was just, you know, it, it's funny. I, I, I brought my daughter my 10 year old daughter, Corinne to, uh, the Y summer camp. Uh, she's at the Y summer camp and her, 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 the supervisor is, is Terrell Mickens for her, for her yeah. thing. And, yep. the, and, and the counselors are Jaden Williams, Ion Orvitz. I think huh. the Katie, Napier's in there. Uh, and I just looked at my wife and said, These, this girl's going to be fine. And Jaleel Pettiford, yeah. you know, some of my favorite, favorite people. And, 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 you know, I said, you know what, they're taking care of my daughter. I'm, I'm cool. But watching Riverheads, what they did, especially last year after the loss to East Rock, uh, it was a team that you, you didn't think you, you just had the feeling this team was not going to lose another game. Uh, watching them against this game against Central Woodstock, oh, they just completely shut down a very potent offensive team. What they did to uh, Buffalo Gap uh, in the um, you know in, in, in that game, uh, shutting down River that whole offense was another and another great accomplishment finally just getting past Essex and then going into chill. I mean, chill Howie was just, you know, there was no chance. I mean, yeah, they they, they talked about how how much bigger and how much stronger they were. And I remember being on the field before the game. I said, "Um, I don't see much of a difference from last year. And uh, I kind of turned to Patrick. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, you know, I, I, and, and you know, you know, once, once, when that, that, that touchdown pass to, uh, uh, was it, it was it to Cameron, right? I, 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 so I remember it was the touch, the touchdown to Cameron Lee, I think it was, or was it, uh, yeah, it was, yeah. It was, it was Moose. Okay. Uh, you just kind of had, you know, it was on and that, that you know, they just, you know, I think, I think Robert said something along the lines. He thought he heard the fat lady singing after in the second quarter. And I think, I think he was probably right. But, and, and I think, I, I, if I have to, you know, Calvin, Calvin Trice, who used to be uh, a reporter at the newsletter is at the same place I am. And we were talking about, um, about football and about, he, he was, he's from Georgia and he talked about Valdosta where he was from about, they were the same kind of team as Riverheads. They, you know, not a lot of great athletes, but they just played together. And I think that was, was great about watching that team, just watching how <clears throat> disciplined and how in sync they were. Um, 11 hats to the ball on defense and the blocking, you know, just being seamless. And, uh, but I, I mean, I've seen, I've had a lot of other great, you know, 
Riverhead's baseball winning the state title last year, watching Lee soccer, you know, not winning a state title last year, but still watching them dominate all the way yeah. up to the semifinals. Uh, watching Stewart's draft girls soccer last year and, and uh, <clears throat> you know, um, <clears throat> pardon me, Riverhead softball having that great run last year. Uh, C- Cullen Bendel winning, winning a state title undefeated in his junior year. Uh, I, and I, I wish I could have seen Hunter Sams win his state title because watching him work so hard every year and coming up just short and this year finally getting it. That's yeah. That's one of the kind of things I kind of regretted. And it, it you know, it, and it's, it, it's hard, you know, you're supposed to be dispassionate about this kind of stuff, but when you watch these kids work as hard as they do and you get to know their families, their parents, their coaches, you can't help but feel kind of invested in it. You know, uh, that, that it's, uh, um, you know, you, you, the, the passion, you, you kind of feel their passion and you kind of root for them, you know, especially in the indi- individualized sports like wrestling and cross country and, and track and field. Uh, and it's, it's something that, I, I, that I'm going to miss. I mean, I'm not going to have that personal contact in, the, in my new job, but, you know, you, you know it's, it, it is what it is. And I'm, I'm very happy to be where I am right now. Considering right. I had nothing over the last four months. So. <laughs> well, I mean, that brings up the fact that, I mean, for basically what I would take away, Tom, uh, is, man, we have some good sports in our area and you've got and you've done a great job covering it for oh. us. Uh, we've all been following you on Twitter and happy to have you on the podcast. It's been great with you in the in the press box. And uh, you even jumped on 1240 with me uh, in a time of need. And uh, so we much appreciate all the effort oh. you've always given. And uh, we're happy uh, for you to be moving on, but we're going to miss you. Well, I got it. You guys, you guys, you know, you, you put out a, a, a real fine po- product. You got, you guys do great with the football games and the podcast has been fun to listen to. And, and I think it's, it's, it's a tribute to, you know, the way you feel about the, you know, Augusta County sports scene uh, and, and, and your passion for it. And I think it's an extension of, um, uh, you know, I think it's extension of what we did. I mean, it, it's kind of a collective effort, and yep. uh, and uh, it, it, you know, like I enjoyed, I enjoyed my 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 radio days or hour. I guess it was, <laughs> I think it was, I think it, yeah. I think it was like twelve minutes. <laughs> I think it was like twelve minutes. But I, I still have that saved because I'm just thinking, you know, since I have I have a face made for radio, I think maybe uh, it could come in handy down the way. But uh, I appreciate you guys having me on and. Um, and I'm going to miss seeing you guys too. I mean, I don't know what I'm going to do in the fall. I might try to find somebody to get some football in, but uh, we'll still let you in the press. We'll, we'll, we'll yeah. See. <laughs> okay. If you, if you, you know, just let me know what game you're at, and I'll, I'll just walk in there, and we'll uh, we'll have a party. Yeah. <laughs> I'll try. I'll try not to talk over Chip because I know he's the, uh, you know, the shy, the shy, you know, retiring type. You know. He'll he'll drown you out. Don't worry. Oh God. Yeah. Thanks for the warning. I appreciate it. We really do appreciate having you on, and uh, good luck with everything, and we look forward to, to catching up with you when we can. Absolutely, fellas. Thanks again. Thank you. Okay, Leland. Uh, we'd like to thank Tom again for talking to us, uh, and we wish him the best uh, with everything that he's got going on in his new job. And um, now it's time to talk about what is dominating our life and what you know that we need to know. Well, what's dominating my life is, hey, I'm on vacation right now. I'm at the lake 
and that's my what you what uh what's something it was the lake life i like the lake vacation better than the beach vacation i know a lot of americans like to just go to that beach a lot of virginians like to go to the outer banks down in north carolina or hit virginia beach i'm a lake guy you don't have to deal with all that sand as as much i mean you can find some little sand beach spots on the lake if you want to but you don't have to you can jump straight in the water from the dock you have the boating you have the tubing you have the skiing you have the fishing it's just it's what i like and if if you have been a beach person all your life and you really haven't tried a lake vacation try it sometime because it, it it really is awesome uh i don't know if i'm offering out my boat and my time for anybody that wants to try that but i look forward to waving at you from my boat as you go by and enjoy a good lake vacation yeah um i finally got where leland's lake vacation is happening from him just a few minutes ago before he had kept it a secret uh, like he was worried i was going to show up um, well uh, since we weren't supposed to talk while I was on vacation, according to you. Well, yeah, and then going. you keep violating it. Um, <laughs> but what is dominating my life is uh, I watched the HBO miniseries after Game of Thrones totally just crapped out uh, at the end. I watched, I, I came back to HBO. They had a new miniseries. I waited till all the episodes were out, and then I started watching it, and I binged it, uh, called Chernobyl. Um. <laughs> uplifting series yeah don't watch it if you're looking for a pick-me-up it's not your choice um but historically speaking look they take a few liberties but i think overall it's pretty historically accurate um and it's a dramatization not a documentary um but you know it's it was good it was very well done um it's a very sad story um and you know a lot of lives affected over there uh and people that still can't go home um the ones that did survive still can't go home and will never be able to go home. Um, so that's, you know, sad to think about, but, um, if you're looking for something that is just well-made and well done, uh, Chernobyl is your choice. Good recommendation. I've heard it's good other places too. Uh, what I know that you need to know, uh, listeners to our podcast are probably familiar with Victoria Wood. She was a very, uh, good sports broadcaster on, uh, WHSV. She helped with the end zone about a year, more than a year ago. Uh, and then she moved down to Roanoke, uh, CBS channel down there, WDBJ. So I think, uh, a lot of people still were able to see her still see Twitter highlights. Uh, she's very good, very impressive. She comes out of that Liberty, um, media sports media program and they, and what they do down there. Uh, and she was very good. I always thought when, as soon as I saw her WHSV, she was destined for as far as she wants to go in, uh, sports broadcasting because she was she was doing great a good reporter even outside of sports she was just a great reporter um i was sorry to see her move on away from whsv but i honestly the moment the first time i saw her on tv thought well she won't be here long uh she hasn't been at wbdbj long and she is moving on from there and she's making a decision to kind of go away from uh local tv uh journalism and she's gonna go work uh for her church in media so i wish her all the best of luck um, and I think everybody else does too. I think we'll, everybody will miss seeing her kind of on a regular basis with a regular outlet, uh, as a local channel. But, uh, just wanted to kind of say my congratulations to her on her being able to make choices like that about her career. And I hope it's the best decision she can make. And I, I think she's following her heart and her, her spirit as she, as she said. So congratulations to her. I, we, I met her on the field after the Riverhead state championship a year ago, and, uh, she was very nice. Um, she reminded me how old I am, uh, just by being young and not too far out of college, but congratulations to her. And it sounds like she's going to have a great future. I, I know she will with whatever she does. 
Yeah, it's important yeah. when you're looking for something to do, um, to do something you love. And you know what? If that's what makes her happy yeah. and she's able to do that, then yeah, absolutely. That's what she should be doing. And um, and I think I, she was doing something she loved and now she's choosing something else she loves. So, I mean, more well, but if I mean, yeah, something she loves. Yeah, right. But if this is if this is something that is more of a passion for her to All do her, it yeah. in this kind of role is, yeah. you know, that's what's important. And at a young age to be able to have the ability to make that decision and sure. opportunity. That's great. Sure. Um, what I know that you need to know is the women's world cup has kicked off in France, uh, team USA's women will win the world cup. In my opinion, um, going ahead and saying that outright, yeah. uh, they start, uh, on Tuesday, which is yep. tomorrow, uh, which will be so after we re- this post this. Yeah. We will have played <laughs> Thailand and we will have destroyed Thailand, um, then Sunday will be your next opportunity to catch Team USA's women if you missed them. Uh, they're playing at noon against Chile. And then Thursday, the 20th, will be the big one against Sweden. Um, that one is the one that if there's going to be a hiccup in the group stage, it's going to be Sweden. It's not going to be Chile or Thailand. We will destroy both of those teams as they come up against the U.S. women. Uh, France is probably... That's the team. Sweden is a team that you know experts say have a chance. Uh uh, and France is the other one, the host nation. They got off to a great start against South Korea, winning 4-0. Um, I will say this, Leland, and uh, the the games I caught on the opening weekend, I thought Italy uh, scoring late against Australia to get the three points against Australia was a pretty, pretty good win for Italy um, when it looked like they were destined for a draw, best-case scenario, because Australia was sitting wave after wave there uh, late in the game, but Italy was able to get them on a counter, and uh, good for Italy. Yeah, it's been fun watching a couple opening games uh, when I haven't been driving or on the actual lake. I've been watching as much as I can, uh, but look forward to watching the women here. And uh, it's must-see viewing for for me. Anytime Team USA is playing soccer, men's or women's, I'm watching. And the fun thing about the women is they win their game, so that's, that's fun. And they're actually in the tournament. That's really cool. Yeah, the men's team is going to be in trouble if this weekend is any indication. They did not look good in their friendlies. Yeah, I, my favorite tweet of the weekend, and, and I agree with the front side of this, uh, there's a there's a big debate on the women pay They're They're not getting paid the same as the men. Um, and I understand the economic argument about that, but I think they just should make, make it happen. Make sure they get paid the same. Um, and, but I think the tweet that I liked the best was the women deserve equal pay. I'm just not sure the men do. And I thought that was a great tweet about that because the men aren't playing good. The women are dominant. Uh, but I think they. Sh- I think if you're playing U.S. soccer and representing our nation in this sport, they should be paid the same. And your winning and your endorsement opportunities should depend on your play. But I think if you're doing the job, you should get paid equal, especially in this um, setting that is very visible and uh, very, um, in, you know, influences the younger generations and the people coming up. I don't think we should be. Uh, have a disparity there is my opinion, maybe a debate for another day. I doubt you and I are viewing that much differently. So I don't know how much of a debate that would be, but uh, probably not the time for it. So watch the women and enjoy uh, them play with the U S jerseys and perform well. Cause we haven't seen that out of the men in a long time. Yeah. Uh, the men two friendlies, no goals. Um, ugh, they were bad. Um, looking yep. forward to DVRing the game that will be played on Tuesday just to watch some goals be scored by people in USA jerseys, which will be nice. Um, and then watch us continue to dominate the women's world cup. There you go. 
Well, enjoyed having uh, getting with you here on vacation and recording this podcast and uh, not leaving, leaving the listeners hanging this week. Uh, with the state championships pushing a week, it kind of made our coverage a little bit easier to focus on soccer this week. But next week we'll be back with a lot of baseball and softball talk. I'm not sure if either one of us will make it to the games. We'll get a lot of reports from what happened, and hopefully we're celebrating multiple state championships for either uh, Riverheads or even one out of Stewart's Draft. That would be great. And uh, I look forward to talking to you next week, and I look forward for us to bring you guys another episode next week. Make sure you are subscribed to us so when it comes out, it's right in your feed, and you're following us on Twitter and on Facebook so you can interact with us. And we'll talk to you next week here on the Yak Sports Podcast. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.